Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge and welcome to My Client Won't Talk, three therapy techniques to get clammed up clients communicating with you. I remember a time when um, the clock seemed to have stopped ticking and something weird happened. You know, the gap between the ticks and the tocks began to stretch out and really stretch and time seems to have stopped exactly 15 minutes into the session. And that's the way it felt for me. You know, it was like I was suddenly in the Matrix movie where a bullet dawdles lazily through space and seconds yawn into hours and time has just uh, become very malleable. And it was like, you know, time had stayed at home that day to watch TV or something and leaving us all in some kind of eternal present moment. You know, if you want to test Einstein's assertion that time is relative, take on a monosyllabic teenager as a client. You know, so Josh was a 19-year-old, not his real name, and he was dragged in uh, to see me by his mother, and he was moody, angry, and withdrawn. And she was exasperated with him, but also desperately worried about him. And I could see he needed help, and she decided not to wait. And she said she'd be back in an hour. Okay, that was the longest hour. I've experienced. And I wondered whether an hour would be long enough at the time. But 15 minutes later, when time seems to uh, seem to uh, stop, I wondered whether I could stretch the session to half an hour, inwardly praying for her to return early. You know, so I was willing time to move on. So I said to Josh, you know, tell me what you'd like help with. And I was, you know, being a very smiley, much older person, you know. And Josh just said, I don't know. So I said, right, I see. Well, uh, do you think you should be here? I mean, obviously, your mum was keen for you to come along today. But um, what do you think? And he just, Josh just said again, don't know. And, you know, with a glimmer of a kind of, you know, what a dork, just like all the other adults in my life, expression on his face looking at me. So I said, okay, well, um, and that was the most animated part of the conversation. And this was years ago, even before... I'd had grown up teenagers of my own and got plenty of practice communicating with members of an alien species. And before I clocked up a wider experience of dealing with the occasional clammed up client. Now, it's not always necessary to have someone talking or telling you everything. But in that particular situation, I felt like I needed something from Josh and he just wasn't forthcoming. I needed some sense of who he was or what he'd like from therapy. However, by the end of our session, Josh was talking. And in fact, I had trouble getting him to stop. And there were three things that helped in that process. So three sneaky therapy techniques that get your client talking. Technique one, ask open-ended questions and answer them yourself. Okay. An unexpected thing for me to say, but so the first part of this is something you hear all the time, especially if you want to improve socially. People tell you to ask open-ended questions. They say, uh, you know, uh, questions uh, where the answer must be more than yes or no. So instead of, do you like the color of these walls? You ask, you ask someone something like, um, what is, it, what is it about this place that you like? So they have to say more than yes or no. But I was asking Josh all kinds of open-ended questions and he was just coming back with that less than encouraging rejoinder. Don't know. 
So with desperation setting in, coupled with a burning desire to kickstart time again, I started doing something a little strange. I asked him questions, then I started answering for him. So, you know, I'd say something like, uh, Josh, what do you need most in your life right now? And Josh would say, I don't know. And then I'd answer for him. I'd, I'd say, well, I suppose you need to feel happier more often. I suppose you need to feel part of a group more often. I suppose you need to feel your life has some real meaning. Okay, so I was doing the answering for him and so on. And I mentioned many uh, of the primal universal human emotional needs that we all share. So it was a safe bet some of them would resonate with Josh, even though he hadn't told me anything about himself and his mother had told me very little as well. Now, he still wasn't talking, but he was listening. And despite himself, I called him nodding, even if he wasn't consciously aware of that sometimes, just a little minimal nod. So there was some kind of connection there. The next thing I did really got him talking. So technique number two, use a little misrepresentation. Now, there's nothing like feeling misrepresented to get people talking. All drives can be used therapeutically. And the drive to put someone right is a powerful one. Josh's mother had told me uh, one important fact about Josh. He has a girlfriend. Okay, she mentioned that. And, you know, girls really like him. They're always calling the house and it doesn't seem to make him any happier. However, it's like he takes it for granted. So Josh was indeed a very good looking lad. So, so, you know, there we were and I had him nodding as I talked about what he needed. As I went on, I got more and more specific until I hit him with, and you definitely need to feel a lot more confident and attractive around women. Now I knew that wasn't a problem for him. Okay. But that was enough. And Josh said, I don't have a problem with women. And those were his first real words. Okay. And I said, um, ignoring that, I said, and of course it takes time to get confident in that way with women. And I suppose you'd like a girlfriend one day. Oh, sorry. I'm assuming your sexual orientation here. Okay. So I said all that to him and Josh, he said, I've had lots of girlfriends. And, and then I said, so what's the, what's this problem with girls then? And he said, there isn't a problem with girls. So, so now, now at least we're talking. Uh, and I said, oh, I thought this had to do with confidence with girls. So so what are you doing here? And Josh said, I don't know. I've just been feeling really down lately. Okay, so uh, so then I said, well, so you, but it's not to do with women. And Josh said, no, it's more to do with. And then he started telling me all about what it was to do with. Now, I'm not saying that this is something that will always work. But if someone really won't talk, then a little well-placed, subtle misrepresentation from you can get them needing to correct you, to scratch the itch of wanting to be seen as right. So Josh started talking about his parents' divorce, about his anxieties, over he, uh, what he should do in his life, about his resentment of, but also love for his mother, and so forth. And we could start to get somewhere and agree that he was fine with his confidence around women, and we could forget about that. And I apologised for my misunderstanding, in quotation marks. But much of this can be circumnavigated if you have the next skill. So technique number three, get them talking with the unconscious mind. So no one doesn't communicate. Okay, let me communicate that better. Even when people don't speak, they still exude communication. Their posture, expression, what they don't say as much as what they do say, their tone of voice, their pupil dilation, and rate of breathing all speak a language if we learn to understand that language. 
I use inner work in my practice, hypnosis, and I have had um, other clients, just a few in 21 years of practice, who were, were as sparing with their words as Josh. But they're still communicating anyway. And of course, not speaking is communicating something. Okay. If you have the skill of hypnosis, you can use it to communicate with your client without requiring that they speak in return. So I could have said to Josh, and I've used this approach with others since Josh, okay, now you really don't need to talk or even to listen with your conscious mind. But you know I do hypnosis. And you may not know yet that hypnosis can happen with those eyes open or closed, locked shut in comfort, or glazed over while wide open, because it really doesn't matter. And in a few moments, I might direct your attention to your breathing and the way it just naturally starts to become slower as you start to relax a little more deeply now. And so on. So if you know how to hypnotize conversationally, uh, that is without needing to use scripts or set procedures, then you can use the time that you have with a person to hypnotize them, to get them feeling resourceful, relaxed, calm, and even sociable. And of course, do some inner work on their problem, even if they haven't exactly let you know what their problem is. The beauty of hypnotic inner work is that someone, uh, sometimes you um, can work with a person without knowing anything about what it is they're working on. Okay, so Josh started to re you know, really talk with me. And he had what was to him an amazing hypnotic experience. And the fire of enthusiasm flickered brightly in his eyes as he told me what he'd really love to be doing in his life. And he was like a different person in the second half of the session. So the ticks and the tocks of the clock all but galloped away as, as, uh, as his mum returned. And she wondered whether her gloomy son hadn't been replaced by some calmer, happier lookalike. I'm Mark Terrell of Uncommon Knowledge. And if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com, that's unk.com slash blog. And thanks for watching.